What are the things that stand in the way of Dallas becoming an even greater city? And what are the things that we can do together to make it possible for all people to flourish in Dallas? We'll be talking with Wick Allison, publisher of D Magazine on Good God. Stay tuned. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm George Mason, and I'm delighted to be able to welcome to the program today, Wick Allison. Hello. Wick, thank you for coming. My for pleasure. Us. Wick is the publisher of D Magazine and an influential voice in the city of Dallas and abroad. Uh, from here as well, Wick uh, is a Catholic Christian. And Wick, part of the, the uh, work of this program is to help tie together uh, for the, the general public's interest, how people of faith connect who they are in their faith commitment to what they do, their sense of vocation. Can you tell some of your own story about that? Well, when you uh, find yourself in the media, mm -hmm. and uh, in my case, you know, founded a magazine that is solely about Dallas. Yes. The mission um, becomes, it's unlike what happens when I, and I have been head of national magazines right. later out later in life after I started the magazine. At, at, at national magazines, you are, um, you can be engaged in a mission that's beyond yourself, but you're I'm not putting aside my nonprofit activity but just basically commercial activity. It's strictly a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find myself as publisher of a city magazine when I came back, well, during my first year and when I came back. Mm -hmm. And there's an intimate tie between the city itself and, as your subject matter and where and how the city develops itself. Mm -hmm. And our, we have always striven to be a magazine that makes Dallas better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, years ago, and during my first tenure, maybe the magazine was three years old, and I was listening to Dr. Louise Cowan. She was doing this huge seminar. She was at the University of Dallas, and she founded the Dallas Institute of the mm -hmm. Humanities. Mm -hmm. and she's, uh, she was a remarkable woman. She was giving a lecture on the city. And I was in the back of a room, and there were about 500 people because I was, and I'm always perpetually late, I was at the back. And she was going through Athena and the founding of Athens mm -hmm. and the city in <clears throat> myth and how a city needs myth. And she's going through this uh, exposition, a fascinating yeah. exposition on the city. and. Toward the end, she's saying now, looking at Dallas, here are the steps that go in the creation, recreation of a city. And she said, and D Magazine, and I perk up, and she <laughs> says, uh, let's just take the very simple matter of restaurant reviews. Yeah. Restaurant reviews are a form of high criticism. <laughs> and I'm going, they are? <laughs> and she said, what D Magazine has brought to Dallas is a summons to excellence. Ah. And you cannot have a great city without great restaurants. Right, right. 
because it's a, the restaurant is a family communal experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And frankly, Dallas has been lacking, you know, just very simple and necessary component of city life. Mm-hmm. But when D Magazine came along, now remember we're only three years old, right. we started seeing new restaurants popping up. Interesting. And trying to make their way into the culinary, uh, you know, upgrading their culinary experience in the entire city. And with D Magazine, both promoting but critiquing mm-hmm. so that they go forever, they go forever higher standards. And I was just, then she went and moved on to another subject. Right. Of course, I was just, I, I, I've never thought about it in that kind of but what uh, you're talking overall about. huge way, but it, it is. That's basically true of what D Magazine so, so part of what you're, you're saying then is, um, that as, as far as the restaurant reviews are concerned, it's driving toward the lived experience of people uh, in, in everyday life in Dallas. Right. More than our commercial enterprises, restaurants are commercial, but, but in, in, in a deeper way, D Magazine and your sense of contribution then is about how we live together. Uh, the quality of life that we have, more than uh, than just um, the success of our businesses or, uh, or or the places we live and and whatnot. So, uh, culture, right? Culture is 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 a real key to quality of life, to uh, to a sense of. Uh, the, the rituals of, of the way we live in our neighborhoods, the way we care for one another. And if you were making an assessment right now and you were to say, uh, this is my world, this is what I do, what's your assessment of, of the culture of Dallas today? Much improved, mm-hmm. much improvement needed. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm more impressed, uh, my opinion, matters less to me than my daughter's, I have mm-hmm. four daughters, okay. opinion. And to have one of them actually move back from New York because on a visit here, she was gonna live in New York for the rest of her life. She found that there was so much potential mm-hmm. and so mu- so many seedlings mm-hmm. and uh, so much goodwill yeah. and a desire to work together to mm-hmm build a city mm-hmm. that she just called one day and say I'm, I'm moving home right. because it's there's things can be done there ah good okay yes. yeah I, I think that's actually something I picked up in 30 years of being here in Dallas too is there is a sense in Dallas that there is a, a blank slate out there that we can we can write on that that we're not uh, our culture is not finished. It's not established. It's still something, and maybe that's partly because we built a, a city on a prairie. You know, we we, we don't have this sort of natural resource, right. this sort of East Coast uh, kind of history of how we came to be. There's always this sense of what can be in Dallas. Well, all cities uh, are uh, ongoing enterprises. Right. You know, George Bernard Shaw famously said. London would be a great place if they ever finished it. <laughs> so uh, I think every city is right. got part of that. It's just that we uh, here, we, we suffered 
at our very beginning, uh, the devastation wrought during the 1970s by central planning. Yes, okay. That tore up our city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, it also tore up Detroit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, it's always good to recall that in 1948, Detroit was the richest city in the world. Wow. Uh, but Detroit at least had been there for mm -hmm. more than 200 years, right. and, or 180 years. We were just getting, mm -hmm. we're always just, right. in Dallas, to your point, we're always just getting started. Yes, right, right. right. <laughs> and it, it, it could be four generations ago, three generations ago, we're right. always just getting started. Mm -hmm. and. So that gives a kind of excitement to to being able to uh, paint on a new surface, but well, so today we find ourselves again just getting started, but we're 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 having to undo some things that you just you spoke of in order to redo, and and you're on record as um, feeling as I do that there there are some decisions that were made in the 1970s that structurally changed Dallas in ways that have been devastating to the wealth inequality, to the accessibility of prosperity of all of our uh, uh, citizens and uh, residents of Dallas, uh, among which are the highways, for example, uh, the, the division of neighborhoods and whatnot. Uh, we, we have the, the desegregation process in the schools that uh, you know, led to white flight, and uh, and the and the like, things are beginning to move. I think uh, in directions where people have a sense that yes, we need to take those honestly and look at them and ask well, how ca how can we how can we do better? How can we restructure that? Uh, what's on your list of things that would would be uh, here's what has to happen in order for us to bring the city back together? Well, let's start with perception. Okay. Uh, when I got involved, uh, deeply involved in this about four years ago, mm -hmm. um, it's because over the previous three to five years, people have been bringing me data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would go, okay, well, yeah, that is terrible. How did that happen? You know, or <laughs> this, oh, yeah, oh, that's amazing. I didn't have any idea. Um, the most startling piece of data was that in, it's now 15 years, but at that time, let's say in the last 10 years, when I was presented with, with this, the median household income in Dallas had fallen from $56,000 per household. That's okay, you know, 56 is okay. Texas was 57 mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, to $34,000, well, no, I'm sorry, 42000 in 10 years, now to thirty-seven. Really? In the city of Dallas. Now, I'm sitting in a, in a very nice office building, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when I get in my car, I now drive to Uptown, but previously to Highland Park. Right. Mm -hmm. It was hard to grasp. Yes. Um, I, my first meeting with Mayor Rollins, mm -hmm. we had lunch. You know, he'd just been elected, talking about what he wants to do. And I told him some of these data points, and he, he frankly just did not believe them. Well, I understand that reaction. Right. <laughs> look, look, we were having lunch in Uptown. Yes. Look around you. Exactly. Things are going great. <laughs> right. right. Well, no, they're not. Um, 
we, we know the sources of the problem. You've just named them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fix is not as simple. Mm-hmm. But I know for one thing, I mean, we, for example, we can take the area around South Dallas. Mm-hmm. This is the reason I say it's not so simple. Mm-hmm. You take the area around below, South, below Fair Park, mm-hmm. traditionally called South Dallas. Right even though it's in East Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, a, it's a strange way we talk about Dallas. It's right, like, well, yeah, it just means yeah. it's black. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so in this um, black neighborhood, uh, Don Williams has had people track every mm-hmm. project that's gone on in the last 30 years mm-hmm. for improvement. Right. Try and salvage that neighborhood. Right. I, it goes from St. Philip's Academy to sure. public school here to Parkland Clinic to uh, Shep's Dairy going in over right. here uh, to and hiring people, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, every single mm-hmm. project. And you count up each one of those projects, uh, and it's about a two, about two hundred fifty million in public private money has been devoted to South Dallas. Mm-hmm. This one little neighborhood. Right. During that period, fifty thousand people left South Dallas. Wow. As soon as you get a postal job, mm-hmm. you leave. You're gone because you're now middle class. Yeah. Right. Because you have a pension. So obviously, there's something structural. And this is what I had long conversations with lots of people of goodwill like yourself. And, and there's something fundamental that we're not addressing. All our uh, do-good projects, right. all these good intentions mm-hmm. are, I mean, of course, if they save one life, it's, it's the most important thing in the world. But, it was, right. but it's, there's a structural defect. And the structural defect is the design of our city. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, the highways. Yes. Uh, can I tell you some stories about highways? You can, but hold that thought. We're going to take a break mm-hmm. and uh, uh, promote a nonprofit in our community. And, uh, and we'll be back in just a moment. We'll pick up with the highways. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul offers emergency assistance to people in need, including financial help with rent or utilities, food and clothing. And every day in 38 communities throughout nine counties in North Texas, a thousand volunteers provide personal assistance along with caring, compassion, and hope. It's all about neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, visit svddallas.org. We're back with Wick Allison, and Wick, we were just talking about the structural challenges of prosperity and sharing that prosperity in Dallas, how uh, highways, for example, something that many of us wouldn't look at as being so strategic as, uh, as, as it is socially. Uh, we, we think of it just in terms of getting people from one place to another, but it has had a deep structural um, impact on the life of Dallas. Uh, leading people, in fact, in South Dallas in, uh, in, in underserved areas to leave as soon as they get that job that allows them to do so because they don't feel like there's a lot of hope in their community. So talk a little bit about the decisions about highways and about decisions that can be made. Well, the history of highways is, you know, obviously it's the interstate highway system, but when that was created, President Eisenhower was very firm Mm -hmm. 
that it had it was to connect cities, not to go through cities. Yes. As soon as he's out of office, uh, during um, well, especially during the Lyndon Johnson area, the I, there's a notion around that you save people in poverty by, for some reason, wiping out where they live. Mm. It's, it was called, the, as you know, the, the urban renewal. Right. Highways played a part in that. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1964, Eric Johnson became mayor of Dallas um, in April of 64. Uh, he asked for, as you know, he was the chairman of TI. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, what you may not know is he was one of the most famous businessman in the world at the time wow. because it was the start of the technological revolution right. and he right. was at the prow of the ship. Mm-hmm. So he came in to be mayor of Dallas and he asked for, first thing he wanted is what are ongoing projects I need to know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave him a list and at the top of the list is uh, Interstate 30. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh my God, they, sh- and they said, where's it going? Because he, he was up at TI and mm-hmm. lived in North Dallas. He had no idea. Well, they're, they're building it through East Dallas. And he said, show me the plan. And they, he looked at the plan and he said, let's go get in the car. Mm-hmm. Got in the car, went to look at the highway. He came back to City Hall with a city manager and assistant city manager of transportation and said, this is gonna destroy East Dallas for at least three generations. We have to stop it. And so they said, sir, you saw it. It can't be, I mean, it's, it's almost done. And he's, he got on the phone to the governor. The governor has no power or something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that began, began, he got on the phone to the transportation commissioner. There's only one in those days. And that began a very fractious relationship with the highway commissioner, but the, the bottom line was there was nothing they could do about it. And as a matter of fact, that highway was finished in December of 1964. Mm-hmm. Next on the list, Woodall Rogers being mm-hmm. built. He mm-hmm. said an elevated highway that's gonna cut off downtown from the rest of the city. Right. It's gonna He's, kill downtown. Yeah. It'll kill downtown. And it means that the other side of downtown it will not be developable. So mm-hmm. once again, here he goes. Right. But this time, um, they you can't be stopped. Money's funded. Sorry, mm-hmm. Mr. Mayor. It's just a done deal. This time he said, uh, he said, show me the contract to the city manager. And the city manager said, sir, we're only, we are, he thought uh, the mayor was worried about money. He said, we're only providing water. Well, Eric Johnson was an engineer. And he said, oh, we're only providing the water for that project. And they said, yes, sir. He said, cut off the water. I have this from the people who are in the, wow. the, the assistant city manager who is in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, sir, we can't. And he said, cut off the water. Now, this was Eric Johnson. Right. <laughs> right. They did cut off the water. Right. The Woodall Rogers stood. Uh, then there was a standoff for 18 months until the highway commissioner was replaced. It was Eric Johnson. Mm-hmm. And the new highway commissioner agreed to put it underground. underground. Mm-hmm. Eric Johnson, if you look at the actual memos, envisioned a park over. No kidding. Connecting. No kidding. 60 years ago. Then, as soon as Eric Johnson leaves office, here they come again. Right. And they begin with elevating uh, 45. Right. 
and then building 345 to connect to mm-hmm. Central Expressway, elevated. To build, to elevate 45, and we have the clippings from the Dallas Times Herald, the Dallas Morning News, uh, they are going to, well, as the Reverend Peter Johnson, who led protests down to Austin mm-hmm. uh, to try and stop it, said, you are going to destroy a wonderful community of modest shotgun houses right. and the 100 to 200 businesses that live off that community right. and serve it. And you're going to leave in its place crack houses and liquor stores. Right. Prophecy. Yeah became reality. Mm-hmm. Then they keep going to build 345, a, which nobody knew what this section going through downtown was called until it became controversial. They destroyed 52 blocks, bulldozed 52 blocks of deep ellum. All the treasure of Dallas, historically. Treasure, I mean, treasure. Yeah. Um, uh, and, right. Left us what we have. So let me give you an anecdote to support what you're saying about the nature of the change in those communities. About mm, 13 or 14 years ago, um, I I started a nonprofit called Faith Leap, which was uh, intended uh, to use an early childhood reading curriculum, acronym LEAP, uh, to help mothers uh, of children in underserved areas and at-risk areas learn to read to their children and how to, how to help them get ready for school. And we used the faith aspect of it because we thought, we'll go to the churches right. in these communities and, and, and provide these materials and, and staffing and training and all those sorts of things, give the materials to the, to, to the mothers and, and, and because we know that if a, if a child is ready to read when he or she starts school, their chances of success are exponentially better. Right. Well, now, of course, the, the early pre-K movement is taking, taking hold, and that's a tremendous positive. But, you know, you need to start reading to children when they're in the womb. And we, we all know that sort of thing. So, so we, we decided to create this. I worked with Don Williams about it. And uh, we were working in South Dallas in the Fair Park area and whatnot. And here's what we we eventually folded after about two years. Not because it wasn't a good idea, but because church after church that we went to said to us, uh, we don't know our neighbors. Uh, our uh, our church right. consists of people who drive, who once grew up in this neighborhood, but they drive in now from other places because of the very thing you said. Once they get their jobs, they get some education, they move out, they're still loyal to their church, but there's no sense of community. Exactly. There's, 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 this, there's this disconnect that happens in the very institutions that are supposed to give life to neighborhoods. Right. Yes, and I know people who do that, and virtually every black person in Dallas yeah. does it. It's a, uh, but it, there is a seed for hope. Yes. Now let me tell you, I, the, the, when I, we first started against this, uh, on the I-345 thing, which I right. won't go into detail about, except we are right. going to tear it down. Yay! 
Good. TxDOT has already agreed, but yes. don't say yay too fast because TxDOT will try and replace it with Central Expressway yeah. <laughs> instead of the restoration of community, right, which right. is what we will do. Good. So it's a good, good. five-year fight left. But the teardown will be in the, uh, in the transportation plan for 2050. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we first got involved in this, uh, one, of my, one of my bureaucratic opponents, knowing how to turn little switches, press little buttons, uh, acute, and who is against dickering with his highways, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, accused us of being racist. Front page of the Dallas Morning News. Racist? Yes. That's exactly the opposite. Well, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But politically, yeah. anyway. So yes. there we were on the front page of the Dallas Morning News, a racist group because we were white. So I happened to be meeting with the county judge that day. He got furious. He Next day there's a retraction. The guy had to call him, apologize to me. But but it did stimulate me to do something that was extremely valuable. That's why you know uh, one of my spiritual teachers says... Uh, being opposed is like pepper in the soup. It makes you appreciate more the soup more. So it made, made me say, okay, look what I haven't done. I haven't actually reached out. So I, I asked my editors for a list of the 30 young, top young African-American uh, professionals in Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, and my poor editors. But anyway, they, so they came up with a list. So I had to start calling people, and right. I, all, everybody came in to right. see me, uh, sometimes in groups of two or three, but mostly one at a time. And out of uh, 30, about 23 were from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Other people were from Kansas City or okay. whatever. And I asked each of the people who were from Dallas where they lived and where they would like to live. Huh. And unanimously, on where would they like to live, it was South Dallas. Wow. Maybe they're tired of driving to church, you know. Mm-hmm. For, Maybe. But uh, I see that as an uh, enormously positive sign mm-hmm. that if we can restore, if we can have a plan to repopulate the area mm-hmm. by destroying the barriers, yes. physical barriers, right that prevent a restoration of community. Right. First, we have to take care of those. Right. And there are also institutional barriers. Mm-hmm. The city of Dallas, not the city of Dallas, but Dallas as a whole has operated with, legally, mm-hmm. a separate DISD, a separate transit system, right. Right. a separate housing authority, and, and therefore, City Hall has been very complacent about mm-hmm. all these things. So one of the, our missions was not only battling TxDOT, but tearing down the institutional barriers, mm-hmm. having boards on these outside agencies. And the school district is, in, by the way, great shape. We don't have to mm-hmm. worry about the school district. Right. They've got great people. Yeah. But the others, we have to bring under control and point in the same direction right. so we can relieve the barriers to human flourishing and once we're there, by combining all these agencies into a common purpose, mm-hmm. neighborhood by neighborhood, we can recreate whole, the whole neighborhoods that once existed. When I say whole neighborhoods, school, right. housing, libraries, li- park, uh, yeah. uh, Recreation transit, areas, yeah. you know, right. is right. absolutely critical right. Right. to get to jobs. 
that can all be done. It's not, it's not that hard. It's as you introduce this segment by, it's getting to the point where you can start to do that. Well, and, and I think as, as we wrap up, I think, you know, the, the, the people who have the, who, who had the power to create the problem also have the power to undo what they did and to create uh, opportunity there. But in doing so, m my sense in terms of my relationships with faith leaders, especially in these areas, is the caution is that you, we, have to, we have to watch that we don't then just after removing those barriers, seize upon those areas for gentrification purposes, for our own uh, you know, sort of business interests and not listen to the actual neighbors at, who want to have their own communities and the things they need in those communities. Uh, I, I, you know, if you talk to people in some of these areas, um, you know, they, they want grocery stores. You know, they, they, want, they want basic things that allow them to, to determine their life on the ground uh, without necessarily uh, having a lot of the glitz and, and, and whatnot that, that a lot of people want to put into the investment in their community. So I, how we do that is, I think, important too. I don't think it's a matter of glitz. Yeah. The grocery store is a matter of having a dry cleaner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have a have, if you have a dry cleaner, mm -hmm. especially if you have two dry cleaners, mm -hmm. you're going to get a grocery store. Uh, you don't get a grocery store just by wishing for it. Right. You have a grocery store by having the demographics of people who will pay for the groceries. Right. You have to uh, encourage not and gentrification. You have to. You have to. You're going to have gentrification, mm -hmm. and it has to be turned into a positive good. There are mm -hmm. legal ways to do that for people who are now residents, mm -hmm. uh, which we can accomplish through the legislature. And the people are, the lobbyists I talk to are confident that could easily be done. Okay. So it's in motion. But gentrification means restoring the middle class who left back to their parents' and grandparents' mm -hmm. home territory. Mm -hmm. You have to have a, a amount of density to get a dry cleaner. Yeah, right, right. You can't do it without middle class people wanting to move back there or moving back there. Right. If you have no dry cleaner, this is just true of the entire uh, culture, right. by the way, uh, right. America. If you don't have a dry cleaner, it means you don't have, you're not going to have any amenities. Uh, Think about it. Yeah. Those young yeah. professionals I visited with, none of them live in South Dallas. Right. Why? Right. There's no dry Services. cleaner. Yeah. Right. How do you go to your law, your law practice, or mm -hmm. how do you go to the accounting office mm -hmm. without having a dry cleaner? You don't. Well, let's let's put a pause button on this for right now. We've we've got another episode. We can keep probing this. So I, I really want us to keep talking about Dallas in the way uh, you're uh, leading us. And so thank you for all you're doing, Wick, and for this first, uh, first episode together. I'm really excited about um, the prospects of Dallas, and thank you for your contributions to them. Well, thank Good. you for having me. Absolutely. Okay. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White, guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Here's grateful appreciation to Evolve Technology for location production facilities. Evolve Technology for home audio, video, and lighting design. Enjoy more, think less with Evolve. See their great work at EvolveDallas.com. Thanks to Wendy Crispin Caterer for guest parking accommodations. Good God. 
Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2018 by Faith Commons. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul offers emergency assistance to people in need, including financial help with rent or utilities, food and clothing. And every day in 38 communities throughout nine counties in North Texas, a thousand volunteers provide personal assistance along with caring, compassion, and hope. It's all about neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, visit svdallas.org.